Good song, brother. Man, I love that song, God Will Take Care of You. You know, you know who really knows that truth beyond a lot of people is mothers, amen? You know? <laughs> God will take I remember, remember this, Mom. We were going up. We had a ski hill where I grew up, right? Obviously not here, right? But I grew up in Idaho, and we had a ski hill. My mom, she was an Olympic racer when she was younger, and so she wanted her kids to learn how to ski. And we would drive up this snow road, and uh, one day... Uh, we were driving up there, and I'm sure my mom will never forget this. And uh, she was taking a curve and lost control of her old, remember that old Subaru, Mom? Old Subaru. And it flipped. There we were on a mountain road. I mean, there's the, there's the drop-off next to us, hundreds of feet. And uh, we're flipping in the air, sliding as we're flipping on the snow. Right? And, and it's a curve, so anyone can drive around and just smack us off into eternity and um, amazingly no one was around (laughs) hallelujah someone did come and help us out but no one smacked us off into eternity amazingly you know we we didn't slide off the road and otherwise i wouldn't be here right and uh and uh there i was this is part i remember as a young boy saying mommy mommy can we do it again (laughs) Woo! gotta love being a mom right but, but God will take care of you. Amen? Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight to the book of Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And we're going to look tonight at a missionary church. This is the first, one of the first New Testament churches, the church at Antioch. And, and they are going to be the church that sends one of the first missionaries, Paul, on his famous mission trips. And so... I'm going to, in the next couple of weeks, open up the book of Acts and look at Paul's missions trips. But before we even get to the first missionaries, you know, I felt like it's necessary to start at the beginning. And that's actually the church that sent them out and what that church looked like and why God chose that church to send out the first missionary. So we're going to look at, if you will, at the missionary church here in Acts chapter 11. And we're going to pick up the the story in verse 19, Acts eleven nineteen, it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose from Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with a purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And if you'll skip ahead to chapter 13, just maybe one or two pages to the right, Acts 13 picks up the story where it left off in Acts 11. It says, Acts 13, 1, Now there were in the church 
that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And, and what you get in the next two, three, four chapters is the missionary trips where Paul brings the gospel where it's never been preached before to Asia, to Macedonia, to Greece. The first missions work. Well, none of that would have occurred if it wasn't for Acts 11 where he read, where it was the first church where God could even send a missionary from. And so before there's any missions work done, God does a work in a church, just like here. And we're going to look at tonight the missionary church. And, and please understand, it, we don't have to do exactly everything they did. You know, Obviously, we live in 2020, right? They, they're in AD 41. So just by virtue of us not giving up our cars for camels and our shoes for, you know, uh, sandals. Obviously, there's going to be some differences, but in principle, in principle, there's some great, great things that we can as a church see where we're, where we're right and where we're doing the same things they were doing and maybe where we could grow if we want to be a missionary church. Because I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be amazing if God sent a family from our church to a foreign field? If God used our church to go and plant churches in America, wouldn't that be incredible? You know, if, if some of the children here or even some of the uh, uh, you know, adults that God would send them and we would be involved. We would be the church that would be sending them to plant churches, to, to go and preach the gospel that, that not just in San Antonio, but the whole world might be affected because uh, we were a missionary church. We were one that was sending people. So let's, let's pray, and, and then we'll look today about how, how do we do that? How, what does that look like? If you'll bow in prayer with me. Lord, we pray that uh, you'd put me behind the cross. We pray that it would be you and your Holy Spirit talking through your Holy Word. And God, that we would put ourselves in these people's lives so we can learn from them, so they can encourage us, so that God, in the years to come, we pray, uh, Lord, we ask that you will send from our church missionaries, you will raise up from our church preachers, teachers, church planters, uh, that Lord, God, we would, uh, <laughs> you know, change the world. Lord, this little town in Antioch, Syria, God, uh, they changed Greece, they changed Macedonia, they changed everything because they laid and they hands on and they sent out Barnabas and Paul. And so God, uh, obviously we're not in the same time, but Lord, here in our generation, here in our country, here in our world, God, help us to grow to where we can send out, send out the gospel in a real way. And we'll pr we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first thing that uh, I, I was reading in this passage, that and this, is a, this is a great passage, you've probably heard sermons on this before, but um, in verse 20, um, or 19 and 20, 
it kind of gives us the starting point of this church. It says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Uh, so what's going on here is, in, uh, earlier in the book of Acts, uh, Stephen has been martyred. Uh, he was one of the deacons, the seven, uh, that were elected by Peter and the other apostles to help grow the church at Jerusalem. Uh, but he's martyred, and it, that persecution sets off a persecution where it's open season on Christians. Um, the Roman government has endorsed the killing of Stephen. Uh, in history, uh, Rome considers Christianity not a... Re- what we would call a religion in this day is actually from an old Roman term. They would accept Jews. They would accept certain pagan religions. But if you were in the accepted religions, then they, it was open persecution on you. And that's where Christians found themselves. Uh, they found themselves as uh, enemies of the state. They found themselves as enemies of the Jews. And they, they, it was a great persecution. Paul or Saul of Tarsus is going house to house hailing Christians to prison, uh, sometimes murdering them. And it's a great persecution that causes them to uh, go out to all these different places, including 30 miles north of Jerusalem, Antioch of Syria. And so, if you will, they've left their houses, they've left their family, they've left everything behind. It's a great persecution. And, you know, obviously we have it pretty good in this country, but if we're honest, that, that might even come to a point here. I mean, even in our country, I never imagined a day when pastors would be in prison, did you? I never imagined a day when it would be illegal to have church. And look, I'm not trying to get political, but what I'm trying to point out is it could be real to us very soon. And it's scary. It's scary to think that, you know, uh, Stephen murdered... I, uh, Later in, in Acts 12, the very next chapter, they take James, the apostle, the bishop of Jerusalem, the, the number one church at this time, and, and, and to appease the government, appease the people, Herod just kills him for no reason. And, and there's a great persecution. But you know what I love about how Jesus was working in the book of Acts? Is he, you know, Stephen dying didn't take him by surprise. James being arrested and executed didn't take him by surprise. And what Satan tries to do to kill the church only perpetuates the gospel. It says in those verses that they went to these places and what they do? They preached Jesus. They preached Jesus. You know what, first of all, this shows me is that if we're going to be a missionary church, all it is is real people doing real ministry. You know, it says they were men of Cyrene. They were men. They, they have no names. They're not the Apostle Paul. They're not Barnabas. It was just some men who had a great problem. They had to leave home, pack up their bags, and get scattered abroad. And what they do? They preach Jesus. Real, real men. People that aren't trained. People that aren't, you know, uh, the, you know, if you will, the, the 12, the 11. They go out and they start this church just by preaching Jesus during their persecution during their persecution I want you to take your Bible to first uh, second Corinthians chapter 6 because 
I want you to understand tonight, if we're going to be a missionary church, it's just going to be real people doing real, mission, real ministry. Take your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And as you're turning there, um, I was talking to Miss Michelle earlier today, and, and I wasn't going to call her, but she called me, right, doing this, uh, this graphic and stuff. I'm like, Michelle, rest, amen? <laughs> you don't need to do this. But, uh, but she wanted to, and I, I was talking to her, and she said, uh, she said, you know, Ashton, I've been in the hospital. It was extremely painful. The antibiotics are helping, but she said, you know, Ashton, I, the, the first nurse who took me, she had like something about Jesus on, and I talked to her, witnessed to her about Jesus. The next nurse, I, she said, I spoke to for 45 minutes about Jesus. I'm like, praise the Lord. I could tell she's not all there. She's on pain medicine, hallelujah, but even with the pain medicine, she's preaching Jesus. Amen. You know what that is? It's just real people doing real ministry. You're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says in um, verse uh, 2, For in any saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now... Well, okay, skip down to verse 4. But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. So Paul's going to show what he's done to do real ministry. Okay? And amazingly, there's no Bible college in here. I'm not against Bible college. Amazingly, there's no ministerial experience of pastoring churches, although I'm all for experience. But look at what he says is what, how God uses people to do real ministry. Okay, you're with me. Look at verse 5. In stripes, what's that? Paul getting whipped. Paul getting whipped. In imprisonments. In tumults. What's that? People fighting. <laughs> you know, people... In labors, what's that? Working, 9 to 5. Anyone laboring today? Hallelujah. The Bible says that that is approving yourself in ministry. In watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report. You know, the Bible says here, People speaking evil about you as a Christian is ministry. Hallelujah. Some of us are very qualified. <laughs> Amen. It's a blessing to know that, that, that he says, by honor, dishonor, verse 8, evil report, good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known as dying. You know what Stephen did for the cause of Christ? As soon as he was elected as the, one of the first seven deacons, he died. Well, what does the Bible say? He says, that was ministry. That is what changes people. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times we're looking for real change and God says, hey, it's not hard. When you have persecution, when you have problems, just preach Jesus. Verse 10, as sorrowful, as sorrowful. Have you dealt with that in the past year, 2020? As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. You know what he's saying here? He's like, look, this church in Acts 11 that sent the, mission, the great missionary work, Paul, it wasn't a church started by an apostle Paul. It wasn't a church initially started by a Barnabas, by a Peter. It was a church started by real people in a real problem. Doesn't that give you encouragement? You know, witnessing is a lot more than just telling people about the gospel. Sometimes the way that people see your faith is when you are being persecuted, when you're in problems. You know, these people, they had everything lost. But you know what they could tell? 
these Greeks that they were started be preaching Christ to, he said they could tell him them that Jesus Christ is better than wealth. You know what they could say? Jesus Christ is better than health. There, there's a evangelist, and uh, he was born with cerebral palsy. He walks crooked. It take, he talks out of the side of his mouth. But his name's David Ring, and I, and and you know it, it, he. It, it's a fight for him. God never healed him, but God called him to preach Christ in his problem. And I'm telling you, he, he gets up there and he, 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 in the middle of his sermons, he'll just look at you in the face, or I, you know, I'm listening to him on audio, so I'm imagining that. And he says, I have cerebral palsy. What's your problem? And I'm like, I got no problems. <laughs> No problems here. <laughs> Me feeling sorry for myself. And then I see a man with cerebral palsy his entire life preaching to a packed out church the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's just a real man with a real problem, but he has a real Savior. And what he can say is Jesus Christ is better than hell. And Christian, maybe you're here and you have problems. Can I tell you that approves you according to Paul, for the ministry, because people will watch you and they'll say that's real. They want to see more than just that you talk about Jesus, but that when you're in the problems, when you're in the situations that would have them rip out their hair, that would have them fall apart, they see something different in you. Think about it. These Christians in Jerusalem, they lost everything. They lost their homes. They lost their jobs. They were scattered. It'd be like us you know, being exiled to Canada, God forbid. Although that's probably not too bad, right? Exiled, right? You can't even go back home because the persecution's so bad. And what are they doing? Hey, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Despite the persecution, despite the problems, they were preaching Christ. They were preaching Christ. Why? Because you know what the church did that sent out Paul? Think about it. If there was no church in Antioch, there would be no... I'm sure God could have moved it around, but there would be no Paul. There would be no church at Corinth, church at Ephesus. There would be no church at... you know All these little cities where he went and preached the Gospel. What sent Paul out was not a great Barnabas, although he was involved. It was real individuals. Men of Cyrene. Men unnamed. You know what Watchman Nee said? Watchman Nee was a, a, a very persecuted Christian in China. Uh, he, he wrote from prison. He said, you know why the church is suffering is not because of the five talent Christians or the four talent Christians. If you read the parable, he says, who uh, uh, the master, the Lord, if you will, deals with is the one who has that one talent and buries it. Because he's like, you know, it's just one talent. He's an austere man. It's like, I don't got much. And Watchman Nee was saying, look, the church moves forward by all the people that think they don't have a lot because it's those people. It's the people that don't think they're gifted. It's the people that don't think they can do anything. It's the people that don't see themselves as great and mighty. And an Apostle Paul, he says, those are the people that when they get together and they start preaching Christ, they're just real. They're just in the problem. But those are the people that move the church forward. You know, I was reading in Voice of the Martyrs, it's a magazine about this little China girl. She's 11 years old. No one will know her name. No one will ever, you know, give her, other than this article, any praise. 11 years old and she's going, uh, 
village to village to village on China giving out the gospel in places where it's illegal. People, the church that sends out a great apostle, it's not from some great speaker. It's not from some great leader. Although God can add that to the church later like He did. It's from just real people that see themselves as personally responsible for the cause of Christ. It's not a Christian celebrity. It's not, oh, well, you know, this is a great preacher and this is a great person. He's like, no, the, the cause of Christ rises and falls on me. And it's just real problems that approve them to the ministry. Real people doing real ministry. Not only is it real people doing real ministry, it said that they were just men that were persecuted and, and left all and started preaching Christ and many were added, many were believed. Uh, but secondly, it was, they were focused on reproducing. Focused on reproducing. Uh, in Acts 11 and verse 22, it says, but so, excuse me, Acts 11 verse 22, the, the tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which is in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And then also, not only are they being exhorted, but look at verse 26. It says, And when he had found him, that's Paul, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. How do you reproduce? Well, the first thing is you have to, ha- get, you have to be hungry and learn. Uh, Barnabas is sent and he exhorts them. Then he goes and finds Paul who is in Tarsus, not too far, and he brings him there, and now they're learning from Paul. And, and according to 13, it sounds like they had many Bible teachers. They had another guy named Manan. They had another guy named Cyrene. You know what they want to do? They were hungry to learn. Not only did they, were they hungry to learn, but then they started leading. And they even not only learned and led, but then they sent people out. They laid hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them out. What are they doing? They're reproducing. They're reproducing. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. They were not content, as I heard one preacher say it, to sit and to soak. No, they wanted to reproduce. They wanted to cause others. They learned, and then they led, and then they laid hands and sent them out. 2 Timothy chapter 2. One of, one of my, and this could, this could look very different from, for many people, but one of my mentors, you know, he said, uh, you know, if you're going to get the Word of God in, it's like water. You have to get the Word of God out. If all you do is in, 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 he's like, you're like the Dead Sea, brother. <laughs> I'll never forget. He said that water that stays still, what does it do? It stagnates, it collects mosquitoes, right? It's no good, but he says when the water comes in you and you get it out, then it's that river, it's that brook, like John 4 where Jesus says, it shall be in you a wellspring of living water. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, this is Paul talking about reproducing. He says, 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, that's Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me, so there's learning, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, there's leading, 
who shall be able to teach others out also. That's sending them. That's sending them. That's learning. Okay, how do I... Uh, what, what does the Bible say? How, what does the Bible say about this? That's learning, sitting under preaching, sitting in Bible studies, studying your Bible. Okay, now that you know... Well, let me ask you this, church. Who are you leading? This church, before they ever sent Paul out, they were leading others. Many were added to the church. They preached Christ. They, they learned from Paul. Over one year, he taught them. Then they led others. Then they sent them out. He says, thou th he says the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I remember, for me, a lot of, the, a lot of times the, the mentorship came from uh, a guy having me over for barbecue. Encouraged me. The Barnabas said he exhorted them all. You know what a lot of new Christians need is exhortation. That means building up. Encouragement. I remember I had another mentor. He'd have me over for dinner. I don't know what Baptists... With Baptists, you always do fellowship with food. Amen? It's like part of the 11th commandment, I think. <laughs> but he would have me over for dinner at his house. A lot of discipleship occurs there, I think, at, at people's houses. It can be done in the church, but it's also a relationship. And he would... He would mean, hey, how's it going in this ministry and that ministry? And he'd give me, you know, little comic books and different things to give out to the kids I worked with. And he'd hear my crazy stories about how some guy swung a guitar and tried to hit me on the street while I was preaching. Another guy threw a ball at me and this guy was going to knock me out. He just listened. Amen. And he exhorted me. You're doing good. Good for you. Good job. And that's what new Christians need. They need someone in their corner. They need something, you know, when you're getting punched by the devil, like a boxing match, you need that coach in your corner. Hook left, hook left, amen, duck. Why? That's what Barnabas was doing to all these, new, these, these persecutors are getting persecuted and new Christians. The devil knows if he can get them to be silent, you know, they'll never finish the race. So if, if, if you're a mature Christian, who, who are you leading? You know, if you're a new Christian, you need to learn. And if you've been a Christian for a while, who are you leading with what you've learned? And then are we sending them out? You know what Jesus said in His discipleship? He says, follow Me and I will what? Make you fishers of men. You know, a lot of discipleship says, hey, come with Me. Let's go and do this ministry together. Let's go and serve these elderly. Let's go and talk to others about Jesus Christ. Hey, let's go study the Bible. Follow Me. A lot of that discipleship, they're going to watch you. They're going to be, need that encouragement. He says, the same commit thou to faithful men. Right? That they might be able to teach others also. They were a reproducing church. Think about it. They, they were willing to leave everything. They were real people doing real ministry. And they were able to focus on reproducing. You know, one... Uh, one, one ro prominent Romanian pastor during the Cold War when uh, you know, the communist USSR still had their kind of influence, uh, he was interrogated and being arrested for preaching the gospel at that time was illegal. And he said, you know, if you kill me, then everyone will know that you killed me. And he said, it'll sprinkle blood on my sermon tapes because apparently he had put sermon tapes all over the country. And he said, and people will listen to the sermons knowing I sealed it with my life. He said, so go ahead. Go ahead and kill me. You know what the, the communist Romanians did? They said, well, we're not going to kill you. 
Because we know your wish is to die so your message can be, you know, propagated. So they let him go. Hallelujah, right? And they told another Romanian, they, uh, that uh, preacher, they said, we know your tricks. We know you're trying to die so your message gets spread. So we're not going to kill you guys. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. What is that about? It's about saying, hey, even if it costs my life, at least I'm reproducing. People will see me. They'll be inspired by Jesus Christ and what He's doing. And they'll follow. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But the price to reproduce, a lot of times, is just like they did. Persecuted problems. Just real people doing real... Isn't it a blessing God can use the horrible things in our life to have others see Christ? You can preach a sermon. People, you know, nod. But they see you lose a child. They see you in a divorce. They see you have, you know, um, just a horrible, you lose your job, lose your house. And all of a sudden, they're listening to what you have to say. Just real people doing real ministry and they were focused on reproducing whatever the cost. And, and in verse 26, as a result of them reproducing, as a result of them just being real, it says they were first called Christians in Antioch. Before this, there were just disciples, believers in the book of Acts. Christians means the people of Christ. They were so well known in this area that people started calling them Christians first in Antioch. You see, God is moving from Jerusalem to Antioch. The church at Jerusalem was primarily Jewish. This church at Antioch is primarily Greek. It, it, God is moving and he's going to use this as the church to send out the gospel to the world. And, and not only were they real, they had problems, but they allowed, they just preached Christ despite their problems. But they also focused on reproducing as, as people were added. They brought in Barnabas, a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. They focused on learning. Let's just meet for a year and Paul teach us. And they focused on sending out. Who are we sending out? That's our focus. That's our prayer if we want to be a missionary church. And then lastly, um, Acts chapter 13. Not only were they real people doing real ministry, they're just average people that don't even have their names listed, but they started one of the greatest, arguably, churches in the New Testament that sent out Paul, that sent out Barnabas. They're just real people doing real ministry. You know when it says they preach Christ, it's not that they had necessarily a pulpit like I'm doing here tonight. They're just telling and talking to people about Jesus Christ in their problem despite their persecution. And people, many people believed. Um, Acts chapter 13, they were real people doing real ministry. They focused on reproducing. And then Acts 13, um, in closing, they, re- they, had, they relied on the Holy Spirit. They relied on the Holy Spirit. It says here um, in Acts chapter 13, as they're sending out Paul, as they're sending out Barnabas, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon. And it gives those lists of men, Lucius, Menaean, which it brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein to have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now think about it. 
the gospel message that God, from, from just a worldly perspective, the gospel message we have is sometimes a rough message. Can we just be honest about that? We have to go to people and say, hey, 2,000 years ago, a Jewish carpenter's son was actually God, and he lived a perfect life. They killed him, and his blood was shed for your sins to be forgiven. He rose from the grave, and uh, if you don't put your full faith and trust and believe that message, then unfortunately your sins will take you to a devil's hell. Pretty rough message, would we agree? I mean... Like in a sales position, you're always told, you know, like make the people feel good. That doesn't really make people feel good, at least initially, right? Rough message. And then you think about it, not only is it sometimes a rough message, but let's look at the messenger. (laughs) Amen? You and me. That's the messenger. It's not only is it a rough message, but now God is using us as the messengers, which can we be honest, we're not like the most perfect messengers, how is this going to work? How, are, how is Christ going to even use this? Well, it works because just like in this church, they re, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Well, how'd they do that? Obviously, they prayed. But then they, they beyond prayer, they went to fasting. They said, God, <laughs> have you seen us? I mean, I know you know who I am, but really, why me? And what they do, they fasted to show I'm not depending on my physical strength. I'm not depending on me at all, God. It's all you. If anything gets done, it's despite me. They prayed, they fasted. And not only this, but get this, they sacrificed their best Bible teacher, their best preacher. They had this list of guys that they were praying and fasting about who should go, right? And I'm just to be honest, I would probably not send Felipe out. I would keep him here, Amen. <laughs> Amen. I would not send him out. Why? I want him here. Right? I would not send my top guy. What do they do? They send Paul, their top teacher. I mean, the man wrote most likely the book of Hebrews at this point. Okay? Does that qualify you as a Bible teacher? Yes. Is that guy you want to have leave? No, you send the little kid, right? You send him. No, they sent their best teacher. And then they sent Barnabas. The man who came when they were just a group of believers and kind of organized everything and led them. He was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was like their gift. He was their pastor, if you will. He, he brought Paul in to be their teacher. He, he kind of led them and supported them. And it says many were added after Barnabas came. He was kind of the leader. And they're sending their leader away. What is that? That's sacrifice. That is sacrificing your best because you're not depending on man's wisdom. You're not depending on the outward appearance. You're not depending on what people think or, you know, how are we going to build a big building or how are we going to fill the seats or, what, you know, how are we going to do that when our best is sent out? No, they're saying more than seating capacity, more than bringing the people in, we want to send the best out. Why? Because we're depending on not our wisdom, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. There was a, there's this uh, Indian pastor, and he was in one of the most difficult places of India, most, uh, in northern India, one of the most hardline Muslim areas. And he was just very discouraged after years of being there and trying to win people to Christ. Just nothing. Nothing. And he was at his wit's end. And, and uh, what he did is he went and he heard this sermon where they kind of just said, hey, 
try this. Go into the next village. That uh, you, you're, you know, you go into that village, you visit them, and you, the first person you meet, just say, "Hey, I'm here in the name of Jesus. Can I meet with you and pray with you?" And he's like, <laughs> "Right." <laughs> he said, "You know what? I've got nothing to lose. I've got nothing to lose. So what? Do you, whatever." Right? And but he did that. The next village, after hearing that sermon and and feeling like God might be in it. He's not a lot of hope, but he went into the next village. And he, the first person he met, he said, hey, I'm here in the name of Jesus. And before he could even finish, the guy said, did you say Jesus? Well, I've been reading about Jesus. I've been hearing about Jesus. Will you come to my house? And before you know it, he had led his family to Christ. Before you know it, they had led others to Christ. And where he was there for years, no fruit, he had 25 people in his Bible study in one week. And the church is still there to this day. What is that? What is that? That's depending on the Spirit. You hear something in a sermon. You hear something in your Bible reading. God kind of just puts something in a still small voice that He often speaks to you if you're born again. And, and it sounds crazy. It sounds ridiculous. But what does it cause? It, ca- it causes you to take a step of faith to say, you know what? This makes me look like an idiot. It makes me look ridiculous. But hey, what have we got to lose? We're obviously not <laughs> doing right in our power, in our wisdom. I'm going to just do what you say, Holy Spirit. How about us tonight? Do we want to be the kind of church where God sends some of our young people out to become missionaries, to become the next church planners, to, 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 to reproduce, to know where we're not just growing here, but we're sending people literally in our country and around the world where there's never been a church, where there's never been a gospel light. Well, if we're going to do that, we saw it's not rocket science, but it does require three things. It requires you being real. And I hate to say it, but being real, according to this passage, means having problems. That in spite of your problems, you say, you know what? I'm going to preach Christ. My health, my wealth, God, you have it. Think about it. Would you ever submit to God and say, God, if you have to take my health, I surrender that? Pretty high ground. If you have to take all I own, all my financial security, I surrender that? This is not preachers or pastors. These are just real average folk. They surrendered that to God and they preached Christ and God used that to start a church. And then they focused on you know, reproducing, and then they put all their faith and confidence, not in their wisdom and their power and the outward appearance, but what does the Spirit say? It told them to sacrifice their best. It said to send out their best teacher, their best pastor, but they said, you know what? Holy Spirit, if that's what you want, that's what you get. And it caused a great missionary work. We're going to look in the few weeks, next few weeks on these great missionary works, but let's not miss it, church. Because really, we are the church today. Is that where we're at? Are we discipling others? Are we learning and leading and sending them out? Are we, dis- are we mentoring others and teaching others? Or are we just kind of sitting and soaking? And have we kind of like rela- kind of relaxed back into our own power, our own strength, our own wisdom? Or are we taking the advice, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our life? To, even if it sounds crazy, 
all right, Lord, if that's what you want, I will surrender to that. I will submit to that. They were first called Christians here in Antioch, and they sent out Paul and Barnabas. You know, here in about a month, we're going to have a missions conference, and, you know, we're going to talk about being sent, but if God's going to send us, we need to be able to have that foundation to where we can send people. You know, God, God is not interested in numbers, although he can use that. I was telling a brother right before the service that the Bible says, better is little with righteousness. God would rather use you and I, average, real people. Maybe you don't feel like you're the gifted one, but he uses those people like we saw. Are you letting him use you? Or are you kind of saying, you know what, I don't have a lot of gifts. I don't have much. I don't have much to offer, so I'm just going to sit back. No, he says, those are the people. Those are the ones who started the first New Testament church in Antioch that sent out Paul. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for this encouragement, this exhortment. Lord, that you, it doesn't matter how much someone knows or doesn't know, if they'll yield them.